You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. I am very excited to share this week's guest, which is Kelly Hartman from Flywire. Kelly is the Chief Wellness and Engagement Officer at Flywire, a company that really focuses on putting people first. So we have a really interesting conversation all about caring about people, about vulnerability, about really owning our uniqueness as well. So I really hope that you enjoy this week's episode and as always, let me know what you think in the comments. I always love hearing your feedback. Welcome, Kelly, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Sure. I'm Kelly Hartman. I'm the Chief People Officer at Flywire. Um, if you can't detect, I'm an Aussie. I'm living in London, although at the moment I'm actually in the Greek islands. So I think um, during lockdown I um, decided to escape and have been working intermittently through London, um, Turkey, Italy and Greece. Um, I've been in this role at Flywire for almost three years now. So, um, and, and prior to that, I worked as, a, as another CPO in, in another uh, company. So, um, you know, my history um, is, is very, um, it's not unique um, HR, as we say, um, you know, um, career path. I actually, um, at university, I studied psychology. And while I was in the um, I, I was a very curious person, um, still am, and I was always asking questions in the career office. So so what happened was um, I've always wanted to be a clinical psychologist and then all these big companies were coming in to, for their grad programs and I was like, wow, you get to work in like America and all these places. And I, um, I would always be in the career office asking questions and they said, Kelly, do you want to do a two-week stint for an airline looking at their cultural engagement surveys? And I said sure and they said you need to have a really strong um statistical analysis background and I was not good at stats I was good at all the counseling and everything else stats was my poor 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 wasn't great at that so I got a tutor to help me and basically I did a two-week stint at a big airline in Australia and that just extended and um I went on and did this like 50-page report for the head of sales and marketing for, for this airline. And um, what happens was he couldn't believe, you know, all my recommendations. I was just a, you know, not just, but I was a uni student at the, at the time. And um, they, and my recommendations was to actually validate the data by speaking to, to their sales agent. So he flew me around Australia first class. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know. I remember I went to see Miss Saigon in Sydney and they played mm-hmm. for my hotel. And then um, they wanted me to do a placement there. So anyway, they ended up paying me to trips to Bali with my friends and family because it was a placement. I couldn't get paid. And I actually then went on and um, what did I do then? And then I did, you know, help with the training for for their stewardesses and things like that. So I was like involved with the head of training and and things like that. And it was only like five years ago that that head of sales and marketing contacted me on LinkedIn 
And he's like, you're like the best consultant I ever had. And I said, it was because I was for free. Um, (laughs) So I still have those relationships. So that was really the beginning of my career. And from then I, um, again, it was a funny story. I was going through all the graduate program um, interview process and BHP Billiton had a huge, you know, graduate training program that you actually had to go away the weekend and do all like, they see how that you work in team dynamics and they give you projects and you meet all the executives. And I was in the lift and I was just chatting to this, older man at the time you know I was young then 24 much younger than I am now and um you know I was joking with him and I walked into my interview room and he was like the head of HR for the whole company and I didn't get accepted into the graduate program and he rang me and he said I've got another job for you and they put me as like the head of like career development for the steel workers in in one of our in one of the plants and again within five months they gave me a uh, and I set up the whole HR function for the service centre. So I, I didn't go up the ranks. I, I created a HR function when I was like 26 by myself. Wow. Um, um, but, but then I had a really tough time there because my boss, um, he made a pass at me at his birthday and like when I'm 24 and, you know, that was a pretty horrible time. I had no one to talk to. And so I quit my job and within 48 hours I had a visa or well, it was two weeks, but 48 hours I quit and then, because I had no HR to talk to at the time. And then I went to go and live in Canada for a year. Oh, wow. Um, so I lived in Canada for a year, came back. Um, and when I came back to Australia, like people were trying to, all the recruiters wanted me to come work for them. And then I had an amazing woman, French woman, Brigitte. Um, and she said, Kelly, why don't you just come work for me instead of going working in a bar or something like that. And when a job comes up or I'll help you find a job, you can do that. And um, so from there, I worked for a big banking because I didn't have bank. Um, I didn't have um, financial services in my, you know, in my um, remit or experience. Yeah. And so I worked there for five years, um, lots of global roles. But I realized then I didn't really like HR at the time. Okay. I, I didn't think they cared for people. I didn't think yeah. they put people first. It was very much about control, processes, policies. Yeah. So a lot of the CIOs or SF um, CIOs in technology I was working, they don't want me in their business. So basically they didn't like their HR person, so I did their quasi-HR in the business. So it was pretty amazing because I had the freedom there. Um, I did a lot of roles on engagement and 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 culture and things like that and I didn't have to deal with all the HR stuff that not all of us like dealing with yeah yeah um, and then and then I was tired of that and I remember a new CIO came in and I met her down at the coffee shop and I was like hey I'm Kelly I'm in your team I'm actually going for an interview um it was for the Lion King to look after all the actors it was wow. so fun it was so random and and within 24 hours she had a meeting set up and she created a whole role for me that I loved and then there was an opportunity the bank sponsored a big charity at the time called um, and you might know it it's it's he's an I, I Jimmy Stein so it was called the Reach Foundation he was a Gaelic footballer very famous footballer in Australia a very incredible man and there was a secondment to go and work for them for a year um I did all the groundwork before and there was thousands of applications and I was successful in that and so the bank paid me to work for another organization helping young people live their dreams and so I did that for three years of my life like so they extended it and it was an amazing opportunity I set up an NGO helped set up an NGO in West Africa Um, I led the corporate trip over there and an executive from Deutsche Bank said you're coming to work for me and I said I'm not working for a Deutsche Bank I'm not working for an investment bank and I'm definitely not going to London and now I've been there nearly 12 years 
Wow. <laughs> and then and started getting into the startup. So, yeah, so my career, I, you know, I think, you know, one piece of advice is like, you know, be honest, be bold, be who you are. Like, you know, although sometimes it can be very difficult. I think I write a lot about that. Like sometimes being who you are and, and being vocal um, can be can, can be difficult. You know, not everyone likes the truth. Not everyone wants that. Um, but if your intent is good and your your intent is always to look out for people and you yeah. care, then I think it's a, it, it's a wonderful thing. But I've always had a philosophy in HR. It's, you know, I think a lot of people used to say, Kelly, I can't believe you're in HR. You actually care for people. And I think that's stung true for me. And I think the world is changing. There's a lot of people, you know, that I meet now that really care for HR and really care for, for, for equality and equity and things like that. And, and, but I think that there was a time where there, there weren't many HR people that I looked up to that really did care for people. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a few things that really stand out with what you're saying, like, you know, saying, I don't want to do this. And I, I think it's as important to know what you don't want as what it is that you do want. And it really shines through. Like, if you're saying, I don't, this is definitely what I don't want, it shows what you do stand for. And, and this, the caring element definitely comes through. Um, I loved what you said at the start about having this curious mindset. So being curious, asking questions and being free to be yourself. I think that's that's kind of core to my philosophy in business is being your authentic self, but finding that environment where you where it's safe to be yourself, where you can be yourself, but you can still thrive by being yourself and you can be happy at work and you can stay in that organization. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I, I feel... And, and that is difficult to find sometimes to, yeah. to do that. And I, you know, I think even through school and other areas when I think about stuff and I, I posted something on LinkedIn today, I, I got trained by Brene Brown for Dare to Lead. So I was very lucky. Wow. And a lot of her stuff rings true to me. And a lot of people say, Kelly, you've been doing that stuff for years without Brene. And I think I have. And I think one thing that really ran true is when I'm emotional or I'm a bit anxious or I'm not feeling good, that's because I'm not around the people that bring out the best of me. That's because yeah. I'm not really myself. And so yeah. when I'm connected to people and I, I say it, like, you know, I'm traveling at the moment, as I said, I'm in, I'm in Greece, I'm working from Greece and I'm never, ever lonely. And I've had the most amazing connections all the time. And, and I'm my complete self because I, I can be, and it's, it's, you know, I think you need to create environments which are free of judgment, you know, and I think yeah. people judge for little things. Like, you know, I get judged, you know, people get judged by what you post on LinkedIn or about what you say and other than just being kind. And I think yeah. the pandemic more than anything has, has taught me like kindness, generosity, like just let people be who they are and give them encouragement and support. And I think I'm very lucky because I've come from a beautiful family that, that gave me that and, and that led, you know, I'm always like, why am I like this? You know, why am I? Because they're like in Australia, like they've been married 50 years. They're like quite traditional but also very caring and loving. But they, and people say, don't you miss that? And I'm like, no, because it's with me wherever I go. So I get that confidence from them. And, and I think as I get older, I'm even more so very vocal and know exactly what I want. And, and that means sometimes... You know, I think Brene says it well, like choose courage over comfort any day. And yeah. there's been times where I've been out of work for eight months and it's not because there hasn't been jobs, there has been, but I was very clear on what type of company, who I want to work for, what location I want to work for. And I think I think, I think that the, the, the great things, you know, will, will definitely come. I think sometimes, um, 
yeah, you've got to you've got to be very clear on on, on what you want, and, mm. and 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 I know that's a privilege. That's what I was going to say. Like someone yeah. says, Kelly, you're very privileged that you cannot work for eight months. Yeah, um, and and that is very true. So I'm not saying that anyone can do that, but there are times where, like when I got back from overseas and I said, you know, I work for a recruitment company. I'd also when I got to Canada, I worked in reception. When I was younger, I worked three jobs: McDonald's and Country Road, which is like a gap, and you know, and 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 um and a grocery store like I will I will do anything too you know and I'm mm-hmm. never afraid to, to get my hands dirty but I do mm-hmm. recognize that it is a privilege when I say hey I didn't work for eight months because not everyone can do that they've got yeah. kids and mortgages and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. no it is, it is definitely a privilege but it's equally it's I think it's important for people to recognize not to just um I suppose compromise on their values and take the first thing that comes up and I know I've done that in the past in my career where I I felt the sense of desperation where I probably could have afforded to not work for a little while, but I took something because I, I sort of felt I should. Um, you know, and I think oftentimes people think that they don't have another option, that there isn't anything else out there. But if they took the time to look, they might find something or they might work somewhere else that is a bit more fulfilling or a bit a bit less um, against their values while they, they look for something that is a bit more in, in tune with their values. Yeah, and mine has to be in tune with my values because if it's out of whack and it's similar to relationships or friendships, like I know that, you know, there's there's people in my life that are actually, they don't fit my, they don't align to my values. And every time I shed something, like all this amazing stuff comes comes twofold, right? You, yeah. You, you know, you look for your tribe and, and they're everywhere. You know, I'm constantly connecting with people or, you know, even at work or opportunities and things like that, but I will never compromise on my values. Um, and I'm always very honest in, in that. But that, yeah. but that doesn't make my life easy either. Like, you know, yeah. I sometimes I, it, it makes it sometimes a bit more difficult because, you know, I'm actually a really sensitive person and people don't know that because I come across very confident, which I am, I'm sure of myself, but I'm also very sensitive. So mm-hmm. you, I feel like I'm a target a lot of the time because I am a bit different. You know, I don't fit the norm of, of what others expect. So it, yeah. it is a very interesting, but yeah. I'd rather be like that and be myself and be authentic than, than not. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great thing to be and to have the courage, like you say, to be able to do that. And one thing that was interesting that you said was about surrounding yourself. So having this environment where you can work your best or you can be your best self and you can, you can deliver your most effective work. Do you have any thoughts on how, if someone was trying to do that now for themselves, how they might go about doing that? Sure. I think one of the things I've really learned, um, is that you aren't going to connect with everyone in your workplace. I don't believe. Like, you know, you're not going to be liked by everyone. And I think I tried so hard in the past to be liked, you know, by people and to be get approval. And and what I do now is I eliminate or reduce the amount of, like I have to work with everyone, you know, in my role every, you know, over the years, you, you work across the organisation. But there are some people that actually I don't really respect and I might not like as much and they probably don't like me. And I minimise the amount of time I spend with them. You know, when someone crosses me or I hear that someone backstabs me or, or, or talks 
poorly about me and I'm quite shocked. I think, you know, I've had experiences like that. Mm. I minimise the time I am with them and then I'm happier. So I spend more time with people that I connect with. Of course, you know, it's it's hard because you spread your love everywhere and there's lots of people. And and then I, 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 you know, it's been amazing during the pandemic. Like every day I choose, you know, five, ten random fly mates that I speak to or people outside and, you know, like yourself, like I'm connecting with people all the time and I never say no to someone that always says, can you mentor me, can you have a chat? And, you know, if it's not purely sales and I'm happy to chat to someone, mm-hmm. happy to chat, and you just realise that you, you, you keep meeting incredible people. So, yeah. you know, I think my one thing is like, for sure you have to work with some people that are, are not always kind or nice. Like I either call it up and explain, hey, this is the impact you have when you say or do this. Yeah, yeah. But then I minimise my time that I'm spent with them and then I'm a much happier. And I, yeah. I realise when I'm very emotional, I'm not happy because there's people that are undermining me or doing things, I minimise the time. And I never used to do that. I used to keep trying and trying for their approval. I don't do that anymore. There's no point. So. I actually don't because re- I actually don't respect them either. So why am I trying to to to, to get someone to like me when yeah. I don't really like them? Yeah. yeah. And then now I've just got a lot of love around. Like I've got <laughs> amazing people. I call it love. Like people laugh, but you know, there's a lot of love in my organization. There's a lot of amazing people that I like to speak to, and um, outside work, inside work, and this isn't just you know with this organization. This is with any. Uh, it's just a learning. Like you take yeah. the learnings with you. So you're yeah. always learning from your past and, hey, what went wrong there? What did you, what could have I done differently? So I also look at myself too. Like I'm far from perfect, you know? Well, that's it. And that's that's what we can do. Um, but I think there's some, you know, some great kind of practical wisdom within what you've just said there. I want to touch on what you spoke about, about kind of traditional HR being a bit more process, policy driven and this you know, oh, you haven't followed the guidelines here, therefore X, Y, Z, rather than a caring approach. And if we are to change the world of work, how how can HR take those steps? So if there's someone who works in HR who's listening today, what kind of steps can they take to, to start to make that transformation? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you still need process and structure. So I'm not going to say that because yeah, you know, yeah. people will kill me if I say that. You do need some process and structure. And as you grow and as we scale, we, we need more of that. But you've got to take a caring approach. Like it can, it can have a combination. Like there's no black and white. You know? mm. And I think you've got to realise that. So you've got to put people first and understand where they're coming through. And you actually need to listen and understand, you know, Um understand their needs, you have to have empathy, you have to really listen and you've got to want, if you don't really care for people, I don't know if you should be in HR to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's change, the honest truth. Change role now. <laughs> yeah, change role. Like if you don't want to be in HR, if you're not looking out for the best interests of someone yeah. and you don't really care, um, I don't know if you should be in HR. Like, you know, that's the, and I actually need leaders. Like the reason I joined Flywell is because Mike Masara, our CEO, he so cares for people, you know, and you can feel it and you can see it and he wanted someone to, to care. And I think um, that is really important. Like, you know, I've worked for CEOs who don't really care and you're coaching them and you're pushing stuff sometimes and it's like it's, it's a big effort. You know, when you've got someone leading the charge with you, it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So do you reckon then it, it oftentimes comes from the top down? So it's like the creation of this caring environment starts at the top. 
the caring environment starts at the top. It can't be led by HR. Yeah. And, and, and that is one of the things I've learned. Like mm. it cannot be led by HR. It has to be led by the top. Mm. If, yeah. if, you're, if your CEO isn't driving this and you're, if your board isn't driving this and your chairman, like I'm often having conversations, you know, every time I'm in New York, I'm like, you know, to our chairman, can we have a chat? You know, and I love, I, I love, love chatting to members of our board and, you know, and they really care, you know, they get, yeah. you wouldn't bring me in an organisation if you didn't want to care. You just, like, because I am not the process and that they brought me in because of, you know, how I look after people, you know, yeah. like you in because of who you are yeah. as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think if you don't have a CEO that is, like, even if they haven't got it, but are not open to it, it's not going to work. Yeah. Because, because, because our employees want it led by the, by the executive and CEO. They don't want it led just by, yeah. Yeah. Do you see any shifts in how employees kind of perceive or how their expectations have changed over time in terms of what they expect from their workplace? I think they accept a lot of care. I think now that, I mean, you think what people are dealing with with COVID, like, oh, my God, they're, they're working from home, they're looking after their kids if they've got kids. Some of them are alone and not, you know, I'm far away from my family. My, you know, my boss is always like, Mike's always like, Kelly, work from where you want. Like, go and work from Australia for three months. Be with your family. Like, I, I'm so lucky I have flexibility everywhere. And he knows that I'm a traveller. So he's like, work from wherever you want. Like, I work crazy hours anyway. It doesn't really matter. And I think you need flexibility. Yeah. I think my big, my big drive at the moment is not one size fits all. There is not one size fits all. That's in learning, development, working hours, working styles, um, wellness programs, like the way we work. Like there is not once, everyone is a unique individual, like benefits. Everyone wants, someone wants a gym pass, someone wants mental health apps, someone wants a new desk for their office. Like mm. like treat everyone individually. You know, mm. we're all individuals. We yeah. can't be marked all the same. Yeah, yeah. No, like that, I think that's where we fall down. And I think that is the way of the world. It's almost like choose your own adventure. And I, I could not work a nine-to-five job like just in an office every day like that just wouldn't work for me like I I do a lot of my meetings in the morning like work like walking so I live in Hampstead Heath in London and I you know I'm there or I'll go to Primrose Hill or Regent's Park I'm very lucky I live near greenery yeah I yeah I'm very lucky you know but but that's not for everyone because we've got a whole lot of customer service and operations people that need to be on the phones need to be with clients you know and I commend them you know and um, so, so everyone is different, but that's just, I know myself and I think you need self-awareness too. Absolutely. So you've got yeah. to know. And I think, yeah. yeah, you've got to know your people and you've got to, you've got to, you've got to know your people. Like that's the most thing. Like know your people, understand what drives them, motivates them, frustrates them, you know, oppresses them, whatever, not oppresses, but, you know, <laughs> frustrates them. We don't oppress our people. But, I mean, you know, what, what, what is making them, you know, tick? What, what makes is them tick, yeah, going, yeah. Yeah, what's going to block them? It was interesting what you said about needs. Um, part of the research that I did for my master's dissertation was around this idea of need satisfaction. And it ties in very well with what you're saying about each person is unique, but it's about... Uh, understanding and having that self-awareness as you were talking about as well of like knowing what your own needs are but then managers 
and leaders having the capability to have those conversations with employees to talk about what their needs are and to kind of get a real understanding of, you know, flexibility might suit one person, but like you say, the gym pass then might might be nice for someone else as as a reward or as some sort of recognition or something like that. Um, so I thought that yeah. was But then it's, it also ties into courage. Like you might know your need, but you might not have the courage to voice that yeah. need. And yeah. so I coach a lot of people in how to have that voice. And I think that's a really important thing. The people sometimes, so one is the self-awareness okay. and then the courage or make sure that that is yeah. being heard. And yeah. again, whether it's, and making sure managers can have those conversations around that. People are scared, you know, you don't know their past experiences. You don't know when they've been locked down in the past or yeah. like, you know, it, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic and you so need true. someone that really cares and gets into to, to their, mo- yeah. you know, what motivates them, what drives them yeah. and then giving them the voice to be heard. And then to know if that it's a no, a no, if it's a no, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be a no. Like yeah. there's so many little factors that lead into all of this. Humans are com- well, we're complex. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're not just like robots. Um, is the, do you have any kind of tips in terms of finding that courage, whether that's for managers to have the conversations or for employees to to find that courage to talk about what their needs are, or even around gaining that self-awareness in the first place to know what their needs are or to know what really drives them i think finding a mentor or a coach or something really helps like it helps when i'm mentoring and coaching like you see these people they just lack sometimes confidence to have it and then you see the changes and they get really excited like i got a text today with someone i'm coaching and they're like kelly i asked my manager this 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 and they said for sure like have you thought of this and you could see she was like gleaming like every time I speak to her like she wants to say it so you find it for her and you encourage and then I'm like okay tell me what happened then and you know it's going to be okay because I know who her manager is it's going to be fine but imagine she was just sitting there for months without having that voice even though she knew what she wanted yeah and I think I think it helps because I'm role modeling a lot of you know people like okay I'm gonna go leave I'm gonna go work abroad can I do that Cal I'm like yeah "Yeah, of course yeah see you know and I was I'm not a good role model for life balance like I'm always on yeah and this week was the first time I actually put a do not disturb and and Michael's like I love that because yeah. it's showing other people like I need to role model what I'm telling everyone else I oh. want I'm going to have a social you know I'm having a disconnect day tomorrow because I'm working here but tomorrow I'm going on a tropical island and I'm so excited and I'm not going to take my you know I won't have my I'm not going to do my slack I'm not going to answer emails it's going to be my day yeah. And so I'm learning that for the first time, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's brilliant about being able to demonstrate. It's really about demonstrating the behaviours that you expect of other people as well. So if you expect other people not to be available all the time or you want to, to demonstrate that it's okay to not be switched on 24-7, then it's, it's really great that you've, like you say, role models that behaviour within the organisation as well. Yeah. And then you need to call people up if they're not role modeling it because it yeah. has to be others. And I, like I said, I'm not a great role model for that type of stuff because I'm yeah. always on. But that means because sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I want to do stuff, you know, wear a global orb. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. No, you're right. And it does, like, so good behavior needs to be rewarded, but bad behavior, you need to have those conversations as well if it's not role modeling what you would expect in the organization. Um, you mentioned kind of at the start of our conversation about 
data and the importance of using data and how you're not great at stats, but you're able to get some help around that. What, how much does that form part of, of what you do or, or part of HR's role at the moment, do you think? Oh, you need data to back up your decisions and to back up the initiatives. So we've just rolled out a, a, an employee engagement survey because we're just assuming stuff, you know. You've got to ask, like, you know, the return to work, we put out a survey because we want to know, do people want to go back to the office? Do they not? Do they want to work from home? Like, how do we prepare? So everything has to be bit driven by data, you know. And I actually like, you know, I like looking at data a lot. But, you, you know, if you don't have data, you're not using, um, you're basing your decisions based on gut instinct alone and that that is not going to back up you know and then you could be driving initiatives that don't even make sense and then sometimes the data that you get people change their mind afterwards anyway <laughs> this is it yeah we're human <laughs> we have a yeah, we're going to change your mind later i want to go to the office today no actually i want to work from home now you know yeah. and the world is changing so rapidly but yeah you, you totally need data yeah I think if you make a decision and then you you kind of live with that decision maybe for three four five six months something like that and then you're like, okay, I'm not really sure if this is working for me anymore or this blended approach of sometimes in the office, sometimes at home, it's not really working anymore. Then it makes sense to survey again and sort of see where people are at. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm big into data. My background is all around data analytics and we've just done the masters with which was very uh, research heavy, quant based stuff. So I love all of that kind of thing. Um, especially when it comes to employee engagement and satisfaction and that sort of stuff as well. So it's, it's great to see that HR are starting to use more and more data in decision making as well. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about in relation to this kind of caring nature or any practical tips that you have for people to create that kind of environment in their own workplaces? Yeah. Check in on people, like make sure you're having conversations, make sure you make the time to check in on every new starter that, that you know, I contact, I have meetings with every new starter now, I have, me, I have random meetings with different people, get their opinions, like don't, you know, I think, well, I've never done this, but, you know, all the initiatives that we drive are, are coming from our people, they're not coming from me in and PNC, I can help yeah. facilitate, I can give ideas, but they're coming from them. So I think, um, as I said, and make sure it's like, part of your recruitment process get to know the people like you just it's not just about the skills and that like part of your management training there has to be we do a whole lot on empathy um emotional intelligence like wellness like you know make sure you're having conversations with people to know what they're going through and, and drive support for them you know we have a lot of stuff around wellness in terms of insomnia workshops depression anxiety um yeah I like this whole idea. So I always think that if you're doing any sort of um, any sort of consulting or any sort of change, the answers are usually found in the room itself. So people already have the answers and whether or not they share those answers up to now is, you know, maybe they haven't. But, but certainly if you ask people in a room what needs to change or what can we do differently, what, what can we do better, they will tell you. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> They will tell you. Rather than, not always. Not always. Yeah. Depends. Again, different cultures are not going to be as honest. So you've yeah. got to, I think part of caring is understand your workforce. Understand we've got like 12 different locations, like 33 nationalities. Not everyone is the same. Not everyone is going to speak up. Not everyone is going to challenge. Yeah. And so you've got to find ways to elicit information from all of that. Yeah. But it yeah. goes back to the core thing. 
know your workforce, know yes. your people, you know? know your workforce. But create that environment where they feel safe. So that this idea of psychological safety, that they feel safe to to share how they're feeling, to share what they're doing, to share what it is that they need. Um, you know, and, and kind of circling back to what you were talking about then, the coaching and the mentoring. So helping managers to be able to facilitate those types of conversations yeah. to really get to the heart of like what is it that, that people need at work. Yeah, true. The question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, Kelly, what makes you happier at work? Um, just being myself. Like if I can be myself and I don't have to pretend and I don't have to wear a mask, not yeah. literally speaking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, that makes me happier. Flexibility for me because I am, you know, I'm a bit of a gypsy. I like to have multiple things yeah, going yeah. and I like to make an impact and difference. So yeah, and working around incredible people. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. So being yourself, bringing your full authentic self and being surrounded by people who are equally great. Yes, that's it. Brilliant. And if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Yeah, they can email me, kelly.hartman at flyway.com or on LinkedIn, you know, Kelly Hartman, Flyway. Yeah, so, so Flyway is a payments um, business. We help people with their most important payments. So um, whether it's um, healthcare hospitals, students, you know, going to uni or, or travel, you know, which is my big passion. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, we're um, Boston headquartered company, um, about 515 people, 12 different locations around the world. Um, we've been... Um, yeah, so so it is a fintech company. And when I started, there was 200. Now there's about 515. Yeah. So we're growing rapidly all the time. Thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed having you on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. That was Kelly Hartman from Flywire. And I wanted to recap on some of the key nuggets of information that she shared. One of the things at the beginning that really stood out to me was this idea of having a curious mindset. Now, that's something I've heard in a few different guises or in a few different scenarios. And if you approach everything with this curious mindset, so you're not making assumptions about things, you're just getting curious and wondering why. And it's also similar to the idea of having a beginner's mindset as well. This idea of being honest, being bold and being who you are. So take advantage of those opportunities as you see them. Ask people for what you want. Don't be afraid to be your authentic self. Uh, Really care for other people and show that you care for other people and be really clear about what your values are, what you stand for. If you need help figuring out what your values are, definitely feel free to reach out to me. It's something I am really passionate about. This idea of being around people who bring out the best in you. And I know this has come up on the podcast a few times previously, where it's really the role of the manager to develop other people and to really bring out the best in other people. Otherwise, why are you a manager This idea of creating a judgment free zone. And as Kelly mentioned, she has previously been in situations and myself included uh, in these situations where you feel the sense of judgment or and um, that is, you know, really the opposite of the kind of environment that you're trying to create at work. She spoke about this idea of showing kindness and generosity, especially in this time of the pandemic. It's really, really crucially important She touched on something that Brene Brown says, which is choose courage over comfort. 
And again, this is something that's kind of dear to my heart when I talk about stretching the comfort zone, especially as it pertains to imposter syndrome and how that shows up. You know, I was going to say a lot of us are prone to imposter syndrome. Most people typically get imposter syndrome. They say 70%. I do wonder who those other 30% are, if I'm being honest. Um, So this idea of choosing courage over comfort is, you know, digging deep and really finding that sense of courage within yourself to take action towards what it is that you want rather than remaining in that comfort zone. Another great nugget as well is you're not going to be liked by everyone. And, you know, if we try and live our lives by other people or if we try and please what, you know, try and do what other people want or oftentimes, and this is what I'm finding a lot recently, we assume that we know what other people want. And I think this is my assumption. I'd love to do a bit of research on it. Most people think that they are people pleasers in some way. But if you if you asked other people, were they pleased by those people doing those actions that they think are pleasing others? Most of the time, they're not. So we assume we know what people want or we make assumptions about what we think people want. And we think, therefore, that we are pleasing those people when, in fact, we're nowhere near pleasing them. So really, it's about not doing what you're doing to, you know, not having the focus on trying to please other people, but rather focusing on yourself and and what it is that you want, because you're not going to be liked by everyone. Another thing in that similar vein is about spending more time with people who you really connect with and spending less time with those people who who maybe you don't vibe as well with. She talked about the uniqueness of people. One size does not fit all. And, you know, if you're trying to use a blanket approach in your HR strategy, actually, maybe you need to rethink that and really understand your workforce. Another thing, again, that has come up on the podcast previously is this idea of self-awareness and really understanding yourself, your own triggers, your own strengths, your motivators, and being able to have those conversations. Another interesting thing she spoke about was, you know, even if people do know what their needs are, they don't necessarily have the courage to voice those needs. And what they need in that situation then is to have a mentor or a coach to be able to work with them, to be able to share more about themselves If you'd like to find out more about me and what I do, you'll find what you need on my website, happieratwork.ie. If you're listening to this podcast and you think that someone else may benefit from listening to it as well, feel free to hit that share button. You should be able to share across any platform that you're listening on. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, I usually hold those conversations on social media. I do a weekly LinkedIn live as well. So feel free to share your own comments, your own observations. And I definitely love hearing stories of any implementations that you have taken as a result of listening to the podcast. Thanks again for listening this far and tune in again next week for another great guest. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.